Why does Avonmore Supermilk matter so much to so many Irish people? Well, in Ireland, whatever we're doing, we all like to get the most out of it. It's just the way we are. And we know we can rely on Avonmore Supermilk. It's fortified with vitamin D, so your body can absorb the calcium it needs to help keep bones healthy. It helps support your immune system too. So when you get the most out of your milk, you can get the most out of everything. Avonmore Supermilk. The most super our milk can be. Time now for Rocky Jordan. Not far from the Mosque Sultan Hassan in Cairo stands the Cafe Tambourine, run by Rocky Jordan. The Cafe Tambourine, crowded with forgotten men, alive with the babble of many languages. For this is Cairo, where modern adventure and intrigue unfold against a backdrop of antiquity. Tonight's story, Journey to Nashir. A lot of people around Cairo disapprove of a place like my Cafe Tambourine. Ah, that's their privilege. But with the European residents, the perspiring tourists, and the usual element that drifts down the delta from the waterfronts, the place manages to stay busy. Me, I just try to satisfy the customers and keep my nose out of trouble. But then you never know. Anyhow, it was strictly business the hot afternoon I went down to the Laredo Company on Sharia Akin. They were Spanish importers and wholesalers of bottled goods. Kind of new to Cairo. My stock at the tambourine was getting low, and one of their brassy salesmen had been beating his chops daily for my trade, so I decided to give him a whirl. Mr. Laredo himself took me in tow. He was a smooth-talking, well-dressed man with olive skin, a wax mustache, and a high-powered spiel. Our line is absolutely complete, Senor Jordan. We can give you prices no one in Cairo can duplicate. Yeah, sure. Careful merchandising, Senor. There is a secret. A small profit, but a fast turnover. That is our motto. Remember... That yeah, sounds good. 100 case lots, and you cash in on our discount plan. The customer makes the money at Laredo. That is our motto. Well, that's all very fine, Mr. Service Laredo. that no. is outstanding. From the manufacturer to you with guaranteed liberal credit. At Laredo... Jack, plug it in here, will you? Uh, oui, monsieur. Excuse me, Danny. Yeah? Yeah, this is Stacy. Where? Okay. Yeah, you get a fin. Get the same to you. Come on, Danny. We going someplace? Yeah, to the room of a Jane Dowell. She's asleep in it, Danny. Dead asleep. Just like I prophesy in tomorrow's column. In here, Lieutenant. Right over there on the bed. Yeah, Sergeant, I see. Strangled, huh? With a silk stocking. I'm not a guy who knows about a thing like this, Danny, but it looks like the murder weapon is a pretty inferior piece of merchandise. <laughs> Buck 98 will get you three pairs. Take your hands off that stocking, Jed. Huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, sure, Danny. Police methods. Uh, I should have known better. Okay, Sergeant, give me the rundown. Uh, call from the landlady at 8.10 p.m. Yeah? Landlady's story as follows. She returned here at 5 after 8, and then she... Where'd she return from? Corner bar. She spent the afternoon there singing Ghost Riders in the Sky and nursing a 10-cent beer for six hours. And uh, they threw her out at 8 sharp. Yeah, we checked. Go on. Well, the landlady knocked at the door of Jane Darnell, the deceased. Upon receiving no answer, she walked in and found the deceased thus. I mean, like so. Uh, I mean... Uh, okay, okay. 
Where's the landlady now? I peeked across the hall when we came in, Danny. Yeah. There's a little old lady sitting in a rocker with a compress on a little wrinkled forehead. And a little wrinkled nose on top of a big, big bottle. Landlady, huh? Yeah. Right in here, lady. Come on. Right in this room. Take your hands off of me. I've been walking a long time without your help. Who's this, officer? A man who says he lives here. A man who says his name is... My name's Mac Taylor. What's going on here? Okay, officer, that's all. What's your business here, Mr. Taylor? I live here. Now answer a question for me. What's this all about? Did you know Jane Darnell? Oh, my Shirley. She takes two hours every Saturday night in the bathroom. And she is the... Oh, that's her over on the bed. What's the matter with her? She's dead. Murdered. Murdered? But who did it? Mr. Taylor, there's millions of people in New York. A little while ago, one of those millions of people came into this room and wrapped a silk stocking around Jane Darnell's neck. The person who did that was the person who murdered her. Do you know who it was, Mr. Taylor? Mr. Taylor didn't. She was just the other renter in the boarding house as far as he was concerned. She never even smiled at him, he said. Man, you'd have to be mighty strange to kill a girl for that, he assured me. I assured him he'd better stick around. And then I went home and had indigestion all night from the meal Judge Stacy ordered that I never ate. The next morning, I spent the first two hours mulling over what I had in the murder of Jane Darnell. It came to two things. All I had was a girl in the morgue and a typewritten note saying she'd be there. Or, as Sergeant Tartaglia put it... All we got, Danny, is a girl in the morgue and a typewritten note saying she'd be there. Tartaglia, would you mind repeating that? Oh, sure, Danny. I said all we got oh, is never a... Never mind. Anything on that typewritten note Jed Stacy gave me? Kind of typewriter, stationery? Oh, typed on a Corona Portable. A new model. Cheap, grade of stationery. Five and ten cent store stuff. Uh, routine check, turn up anything? Oh, well, not yet. I can't find a thing on this Jane Darnell. No friends, no relatives, nothing to any. Well, looks like this will be a tough one for us to crack. It'll take time, Tartaglia, but it'll crack. Danny Clover speaking. What? Who is this? Tartaglia. Trace this call. Yeah. yeah. Who is this speaking? I, I can't hear you. Speak louder, huh? Yeah. Yeah, I got that. When? Who is this speaking? Hello? 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 What? What? Oh, look, operator. I was talking to someone and we were cut off. Uh, I see. Well, thank you, operator. Tartaglio! Common efficient service, You trace Danny. the call? Oh, sure. Well? Well, what? You traced it to a phone booth in Grand Central Station. Oh, fine. That call was important? Tartaglia, I was just speaking to a murderer. Yeah? Well, why did he have this... A murderer? Yeah, a murderer who was disguising his voice. He had to say just this. He had to say he did quite a job on Jane Darnell, and tonight he was... My eyes opened and there was more spinning. Not me this time, but a little ceiling fan making like a sunbeam mixmaster. Only it didn't help any. I was in a small room flat on my back. Here and there was sprinkled some white enamel. And there was another smell, like a hospital. I pulled my eyes to the window, and all I could see was sand. I went back to sleep for a while, and when I woke up again, the same burning was in my throat, and my lips were parched and dry. There was more white. Some of it moved. I looked up to see a spare, mild-eyed man staring down over his beard at me. There, now, you're coming around. You'll be all right now. Will I? I am Dr. Cooper. Well, Jordan's my name. Well, maybe you know. Now, just relax. We will talk later. Where, where's Loretta? Uh, 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 no, I, I wouldn't sit up. Not yet. Where is he? Here. Here, drink this. Ah. Yeah. 
That's better, is it not? Yeah, thanks. You haven't answered me. Oh, Mr. Jordan, why can't people like you and I learn the ways of the Oriental? What does that mean? Resignation at times such as this. You have been through an ordeal. Your mind should be at peace. But then I have tried to. Tell me about Laredo. I'm sorry I never heard of him. And what's this? How did I get in this place? Not much of a hospital, I admit. But the best we have is a tiny outpost like Nashir. Nashir? Uh, please lie back, Mr. Jordan. I was in Cairo only a few minutes ago. We are 50 miles from Cairo. Uh, but then your mind will clear. The heat and the sand does such things, you know. How'd I get here? Why is anyone here? I was a good doctor till... till a slip of the scalpel and... Then... Uh, it's all very interesting now. What about me? A camel driver named Pandit brought you in 18 hours ago. Where is he? He's outside, but there is no hurry. I want to see that guy. Get him in here. Very well. If you insist. Pandit, you may come in. Ah, you feeling better, yes, sir? I haven't made up my mind yet. You are indebted to Pandit. He found you in the desert. Yes. His two sons and a strange murder in Death of a Stranger. Escape will present another Thursday thriller in Red Wine by Lawrence Blockman. This Thursday, every Thursday, Hair Escape and Crime Photographer on most of these same CBS network stations. Now back to Broadway's My Beat. Broadway all depends on the mood you're in. You can be part of the mob and perform for the sightseers, or you can write notes about murdering women and go about your business of murdering. In the latter case... Broadway dangles from strings. Broadway performs for a madman. It puts on a mask of horror and talks in whispers. Two people had died violently, and the clues I had for their dying were about as valuable as a pinch of dust. Correction, I had a thing of value. Another note. What girl next, the note said. It would be valuable if I knew what girl next. The only ray of sunshine at headquarters next morning was a police sergeant named Tartaglia, who did all sorts of remarkable things with details and file cards and pencil sharpeners. Morning, Danny. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Yeah, what have we got, Tartaglio? Well, I checked Judge Stacy, like you said. Mm -hmm. yeah, he's got a pretty good alibi. He was with you at the approximate time of both murders. Only approximate. How long does it take to kill a person? Hey, what did you find on that border, Mac Taylor? Oh, he's got an answer for every question we ask him. Right now, we're still checking the answers. So far, Mac Taylor's been telling the truth. Okay, okay. Uh, what's in that envelope? Oh, in this envelope, Danny, intelligence from the FBI. Yeah, with Los Angeles still operating, it's a wonder they had the time. Let's see it. Yeah, sure, here. You know, on account of we didn't have any data on Jane Darnell and Mary Smith, I wired the prints down to Washington like I... Oh, like you should have. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this data you're holding was wired back. Hey, those boys in Washington sure worked... Hey, look at this, Tartaglia. Huh? A link. A link between Jane Darnell and Mary Smith. Washington had their prints because they worked in a war plant. That tells you something, Danny? Maybe. Maybe a lot. They both worked for the same outfit, the Westfold Tool Company. A manufacturing firm across the river in Jersey. Get my hip boots, Tartaglia. I'm going to take a boat ride. Can't we go somewhere where we can talk? What? I said, can't we go... Let's go somewhere where we can talk, huh? Yeah. 
Now, what do you want to see me about, mister? I'm Danny Clover, New York Police Department. Oh, glad to know you. I'm Freddie Ney, Punch Press Department. You've been working in this department long, Mr. Ney? Oh, ten years. Why? Try this in your memory. Jane Darnell and Mary Smith. What does that do to you? Jane Darnell, Mary Smith, uh, J- Oh, yeah, yeah, that does something to me, all right. Yeah, they worked here side by side in my department, uh-huh. right through the war and after we converted automobile parts. And what else? Well, they quit about a year ago, within a week of each other. Within a week of each other, huh? How would that figure, Mr. Ney? Well, they were chummy. Jane Darnell and Mary Smith were in a carpool with another girl. All three of them rode to work in Jane's car. This, uh, other girl, who was she? I don't know. She wasn't in my department. Does your personnel department keep records of people who ride together in carpools? No, never did. We got all the paperwork we can handle. Yeah. Where's the phone? Right over there. Thanks. Uh, Can I get an outside line on this? Sure. I guess that's about all I can tell you about those two, Mr. Clover. Well, maybe it was enough. Hello? Motor vehicles? Give me registration. Anything else, Mr. Clover? No, that'll be all. Uh, Registration? This is Danny Clover. Want the make and the model of a car owned by Jane Darnell. Uh, yeah, motor number two. You sure there's nothing else, Mr. Clover? I, uh, I enjoy aiding and abetting the police. I said that's all. You can go now. Yeah? Yeah? DeSoto Sedan, 1947. Motor number 1375. Sure, sure. I hear some canned milk. No, I think I'll take it black. Captain Sabaya's been looking for you, Rocky. Yeah, what about? Well, I guess we were all trying to find you, only he came back two or three times last night. Seemed kind of sore. Oh, he can wait. Think you can keep things going here for a while, Chris? Sure. You go ahead and rest. Yeah, not till I see Laredo. Hey, gee, Rock, you're in no condition to go anyplace. Start worrying about Laredo. He's going to need it. I grabbed a taxi a couple of blocks down, and 20 minutes later, I was at the Laredo Company. The front door was open, but nobody was around. Upstairs, I found Laredo's office. It was locked, but a couple of shoves snapped it open, and I was inside. It was empty, too. So I tried the next best thing and started rifling through the papers on top of the desk. There were some names on an appointment pad. I was looking them over when footsteps behind wheeled me around. A girl was standing in the doorway. She was dark and pretty and frightened. I couldn't tell if she was more scared of me or the gun she was holding. You're looking for money. You will not find it there. I'll trade it for something else, lady. What do you want? Laredo? He, he's not here. He, stay where you are. I... Sure, sure I will. No, no! Oh, oh. <laughs> His gun isn't even loaded. I, I know. I... Okay, okay. Anything but that. Now, come on. Take it easy. Here, sit down. Nobody's going to hurt you. Please. Please, Mr. Jordan. Buy some from some other wholesaler. Forget about us. What are you getting at? Do not ask questions, for my sake. All I want from here is Laredo. He left on the, on the evening train for Algiers. When's he coming back? I am unable to say. It is a business trip. That is all I know. Just how do you tie in with this layout? I am Rosa Sorno, Mr. Laredo's assistant. But you don't know why he went to Algiers and when he'll be back. Oh, from now on, Rosa, let's make sense. Sense? What went on here yesterday? What was in that mineral water? I, I do not know what you are talking about. Only you're plenty scared about something, and you come in here with a gun. You were searching through my desk. I did not know who you were. Oh, cut it, Rosie. You already called me by name. Oh. Now, quit stalling. We got a lot to talk about. Please, please, Mr. Jordan. If you will go back to the tambourine and forget about this, 
for just two days, even. Who dumped me out in the desert? Laredo? What difference does it make? You are safe now. If you continue to persist, you will hurt yourself and, and me. Look, I'm no good at riddles. If you would trust me, Mr. Jordan, come back two days from now. I will tell you anything you want to know. Two days? Why not now? It's only that... Will you not help me? Uh-uh. It's got to be the other way around. Oh, but you do not understand. You do not know what it is like. I... Please go away. No, not till you and I have a look. Come along, Rosa. I took her with me downstairs and into the back. Just as I expected, every case of the mineral water was gone. Rosa wouldn't tell me why or anything else. Well, I couldn't see myself dragging a pretty girl with me around the streets of Cairo, so I left her there, standing alone in the big warehouse like a frightened puppy. It wasn't an act, either. She was scared to death. When I got out to the street, the first thing I saw was a familiar black limousine at the curb. A committee of one stepped out to meet me. Captain Sam Sabaya, Cairo Police. Sir Jordan, you have not disappeared after all. Ah, look, you sound disappointed, Sam. Disappointed? On the contrary. What are you doing here this morning? Oh, they sell stuff I can use. Jordan, I have had little sleep. We will dispense with your evasion. Wait a minute, Sam. Being in your missing persons file wasn't my idea. Just as sorry as you are. Your bartender, Chris, informed me of your disappearance early yesterday. But since then, my interest has become much more complicated. Okay, one more complication won't make any difference. When did you last see Laredo? Two days ago, when I came here to see about some liquor. And where have you been since that time? Sam, if you'll just drive me back to the tambourine, I'll dump the whole thing right in your lap. Get in, Jordan. To headquarters, Ali. Hey. I said the tambourine, sir. She's inside. See? The lights just went on. Let's go, Sergeant. No, no, no. Miss Webb, it's Danny Clover. Oh, it's Danny Clover. Lieutenant. Yeah. She's dead. She's dead, Sergeant. Close your eyes and try real hard to believe it. She's dead. But I don't understand. How could the she... The coroner will call it a long, sharp weapon. The coroner's jury can blame me for it. What are you talking about, Lieutenant? The subway. The one place I forgot about. The one place where she'd be with a thousand people and still be alone. She was stabbed on the subway. She had just enough strength to get inside her door. What are you doing, Sergeant? Oh, well, this stuff must have spilled out of her purse when she keeled over. Just junk, though. Lipstick, cigarettes. What's that? The piece of paper you're holding? Nothing, I guess. Just a piece of paper. Oh, wait. Something's typed on it. Huh? Read it. Uh, now is the time for all good men to come to the aid of his country. I love you, I love you, I love you. Let's see that. The letterhead says Ridley's Department Store, furnishings for your every need. Get me a squad car, Sergeant. I got a feeling Ridley's is going to furnish my every need. Interested in a typewriter, mister? Oh, I didn't know you worked here, Mac. Mac Taylor, isn't it? The indignant boarder who lived across the hall from Jane Donnell? Uh, yes, this is my place of business, the typewriter department. Yeah. I've got a time card, employee's number, everything. I sell them. You want to buy one? Uh, some other time. Which corona did you type those murder notes on? Huh? What do you mean? Sally Webb really loved you, didn't she, Mac? I got proof positive of that. She put your picture on her bureau, and she hung around here and wrote love notes on your demonstrator typewriter. 
much so. Tell me something, Mac. When did you change your name from Quimby to Taylor? We've got a doctor in this department store, Clover. Uh, maybe you need to see him. I have a picture of Mildred Quimby, Mac. Was she your wife? What do you know about Mildred Quimby? I said I have her picture, Mac. Here, when she was killed in an automobile accident. Look at it, Mac. Go on, look at I'll it. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. Like they killed my wife. Like I killed all of them. I'll kill you. Mac, put away that gun. This place is filled with people. What do I care about people? My wife is dead. What's out here? Dead man's got a gun. This is crazy. What's Yeah. There's only one way to get you, Mac. Clover, you can't miss. A madman lying in the blood of his death isn't much different from any man who dies in violence. There was a kind of furious serenity on the face of Mac Taylor or Quimby as though all at the same time he rejected and embraced the peace that a tearing bullet had offered his brain. They took him away, then someone swirled a mop over the blood-stained tile of the floor, and that was the requiem for a madman. Broadway is a street of sounds, the hissing sound of the neon, the sweet sound of a girl's laugh, the harsh, rasping sound of the light deep inside the earth. And the other sound, the sigh, the painful sigh no one hears. It's Broadway, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway, my beat. Broadway's My Beat with Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover is produced and directed by Gordon T. Hughes with script by Morton Fine and David Friedkin. Musical direction is by Lud Gluskin. Be sure to join us next week, same time, same station for Broadway's My Beat. Well, down at headquarters, I repeated my story to Sabaya while he looked at me like a kid that had just robbed the jam shelf. I couldn't tell whom he suspected most for Laredo's death, me or Rosa Sorno. There was nothing to hold me on, so Sam was off to check my alibi with a hospital up in Nashir, and I went on back to the tambourine. I drew a cold beer and sat down in my office with Chris and brought him up to date. Chris has the knack of being a good listener. Sure sounds crazy, Rock. Yeah. With a yarn like that, Sabaya wonders where I fit into Laredo's killing. What about the girl, uh, Rose... Sorno? Yeah, yeah. I got a hunch she's all right. But she's tied in somehow, and she's plenty scared. A hundred cases of mineral water don't disappear into thin air. They were careful enough not to leave any trace of it, not even in my stomach, before they dumped me in the desert. Now, Chris, we'd be wasting our time. It's a cinch you ever got you knocked out, took care of Laredo. Maybe. Funny thing, just before I passed out... Yeah, Rock? There was a strange odor. I almost smell it now. All I can smell is Cairo. Somehow it reminds me of when I was a kid. Perfume, maybe. Uh, I don't know. What now, Rocky? Uh, maybe by now Rose is ready to talk. Boy, you sure ask for it, don't you? By this time, I could have found my way to the Laredo Company in my sleep. 
But there was an answer there, and I had to find it. The place was as empty as ever downstairs, so I started for the office. As I walked up the steps, Rosa was talking to a guy standing in the doorway. He was big, like an ex-wrestler, and his face was red. When they saw me, they suddenly stopped. And there was an awkward silence. I broke it. Oh, uh, don't let me interrupt. Oh, uh, Mr. Jordan, this is uh, Nick Gonolos. Nice knowing you. Why? Nick, please. Goodbye, Rosa. When it ain't so crowded, we'll talk some more. Well, uh, looks like I walked in at the wrong time. I, I told you not to come here. Friend, away from me. Turned around, walked away, down the other end of the alley, went home. Hello, boys. Guess what I got, boys. We give up, Webster. What have you got? A writ. That ever-loving writ, habeas corpus. Don't talk to them anymore, Ross, boy. You don't have to. I'm taking you away from all this. I don't know you. I know, boy, I know. And I'm a friend of a friend of yours. A fellow you haven't been very nice to, Jack Colbo, your former manager. But he's sure nice to you, Colbo is. He hired old Billy Webster, counselor. And you're going to get up and walk out of here, just because I say so. Isn't he, boy? Yeah. And you too, Webster. Leave with him. The next morning, look up a man named Jack Colbo. Come up with an address of a place, Ozzy's Gym on Amsterdam. Go there. A gym like a thousand others. Sweaty, hot, training quarters for Latter-day Gladiators. Classed variously according to poundage, records, expectations. Boxers, punchers, bums. Past the middleweight who was being furious at a canvas bag. A lightweight being nimble with a jumping rope. Brushed against a man in an overcoat who had taken a fighting stance and was sneering his broken face into a full-length mirror. Stop a boy with a bucket and ask for Jack Colbo. And be told that's him over near the ring in the purple T-shirt. The left kid, blow it! What's the matter with you? Throw the left, huh? No, no, no. Your name Colbo? Yeah. So toss it already. Don't stand there and wave it. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay, kid, do something with a heavy bag. Three rounds. Okay, what? I'm from the police, sir. Uh, I want to know what made you hire a lawyer for Ross Locke. You think because Christmas is over, I'm strange because I'm friendly? I just asked you. I'm just telling you. I'm friendly to Ross Locke. What's the matter with you? Don't you have friends? Look, Mr. Colbo, I'm trying to find out all I can about Ross Locke. As I understand it, you used to manage him. He was a comer. He left you. Didn't it bother you? Does it look like I'm stoned? Sure it bothered me. Fighter like him giving up all that dough? Sure, dough for me, too. Sure it bothers me. But you're still his friend. Sure I am. Especially what I saw last night. You were at that bar last night? You saw the fight? Where were you when I got there? Trying to find Ross. Just tell me what happened. Dame standing in the doorway with a bottle. I couldn't get near Ross in that slummer. Ran outside and around the block and up the alley. Slummer was banging on Ross. The names he was calling him. I'm going to court and testify self-defense for Ross, like it was. Ross said he didn't put a hand on that man. Uh, maybe that's the story Ross was planning to use, but that's not the way it happened. Me testifying. My lawyer's self-defense plea. Possibly the dead man was holding a jackknife. So it'll be simple. I'm going to take care of everything. I'm going to... Pardon me. Yeah. Yeah, he's here. I'll take the message. Sure, I'll tell him. It's for you. I just don't let people to use my phone. Germs on the mouthpiece. What was the message, Colmo? Message is about the Harlem River at the end of Lennox. Said that's where you were wanted. In a hurry. You leaving? Goodbye. <laughs> 
ready? Who found her? Some kid. Looked in the river, there she was. Yelled for the police. Got her out just a little while ago. Why'd you call me, Muggerman? Couldn't you handle her? I didn't think you'd want me to. What? Didn't they tell you over the phone? Come on, come on. Who is she? I'll take the blanket off. See? Carol Bennett. Uh-huh. The woman who screamed murder in the alley last night. You better look close, Danny. Murdered. That's right. Carol Bennett, Danny. Strangled to death. You are listening to... Well, I scratched off the top name and went for the next. The name Abin Woodit led to a sort of tourist catch-all counter in the Musky Bazaar. It was presided over by a real pleasant old lady with her veil down. Ah, Wusimwala Effendi. Sell me some information, lady. Ah, Englishy. Misa El Kaid, yes? Uh, yeah, sure, sure. Look, it's about a Mr. Laredo. What's he selling you? <laughs> Laredo? <laughs> Assalamu alaikum, yes? Oh, I can tell we see eye to eye. Yes. Yeah. Andy Duca, Andy Nibi, Intafahimi. Yes. <laughs> After some more delightful conversation like that, I got out of the bazaar real quick. I found a street that might turn up a taxi, and just as I stepped to the curb, I felt hot wind on the back of my neck. And it wasn't from the desert. The way he jabbed the gun between my shoulder blades, I knew he meant business. Move toward the alley, Jordan. Oh, I uh, like it better here, Canolis. Move. Well, if you put it like that. Not so fast. Do me a favor. Shut up. Sure, if that makes you happy. Talk, talk, talk. I never knew a man who talks so much. Even talk in your sleep. Yeah? You make me weary with talk. What do I say in my sleep, Nick? Just talk, talk, talk. Okay, Jordan. We stop here. You cut the cards. Shut up. Keep looking at the wall. With your hands up. Hey, my, uh, my wallet's not in that pocket. Talk, 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 talk. Why don't you try the inside pocket? That's my idea. <laughs> he stuck his hand out of my inside coat pocket, and I swung around and caught him with the left of the head. I had to stay in close, but he wouldn't fight, only wrestle. He got a headlock and slammed me against the building. It got hazy, but I stayed inside his gun till all at once it came down on the back of my head. I hit the dirt for the three count. When I came up, Canolis was gone. I reached into my pocket for the list of names I'd taken from Laredo's office. All I came up with was a broken fountain pen. Now, that meant Canolas had plenty to do with his deal. And maybe Rosa Sorno, too. All I could remember was the scared look in her eyes. From the looks of things, I was the Laredo Company's best customer. Because I went back there for the third time that day. And this time, there was nobody there, not even Rosa. In the office was that same odor again, stronger than ever. In an ashtray by the window, I found it. A half-smoked dark brown cigarette. That second, the door opened. You are making things difficult, Jordan. Oh, I'm just trying to help, Sam. Come on in. Indeed I will. Where is the girl? She's not here. I got something else. Now, what has that to do Look with... Look at it. A cubeb. You smoked one when you were a kid? Jordan, you are taxing my patience. Sam, whoever hauled me off in the desert is an asthmatic. They smoke these sometimes. Jordan, I... The smell, it followed me all the way out to the desert. Jordan, there are millions of asthmatics. So how will it help us? 
Might narrow down the field, Sam. Jordan, the field is immense. Loredo, I discover, has more enemies than we can count. He spent time in a Cuban prison for smuggling drugs. He hid in your country, Carlsbad, New Mexico, for two years to escape the Johannesburg authorities. What for? Drugs again. In many other cities, Santiago, Chile, for example, there are records of him. Sam, how about playing ball with me? I want Rosa Sarno. Leave the building, then come back and meet me downstairs in an hour. Are you presuming to tell I me... I want someone to think we've left and the coast is clear. Who, Jordan? Oh, it's just a hunch. Give me a break. Very well. But after this, if the girl is not found, you will be held responsible. In one hour. Sam left, and I waited in the office a few minutes, then pretended to leave, too. Only I backtracked and slipped into the warehouse. I began to move slowly through the aisle. I heard someone enter the warehouse from the back. I ducked behind some cases and waited. was Nick Canolis. As he passed, I slid out and shoved the stub of my fountain pen in his back. Hold it, Nick. Those guts up. Everything but a left hand. As good as Ross Locke. I doubt it. Ross gets socked with both hands. No more. Yeah, I know. Heard it over the radio with the rest of the bad news. Ever slap one of these light bags, Clover? It's good for the nerves. I get all tensed up when I hear news like that. Cut it out, Coble. You kidding? I said cut it out. What's your mission here, Clover? Two murders and assault. How bad is he? He'll be all right. He won't be able to build any more models. Huh? Yeah. Somebody hit him over the head from behind, then went to work on his hands. Ruined them. Imagine. Figure somebody doing that to a guy's hands. Yeah, I can figure somebody doing that. I'm sorry, I, I forgot you. Didn't like it. Now Ross couldn't fight even if he wanted to, not for anybody. He saw his hands, you ought to know. A shame, too. Good boy like him. Can't make models, can't fight. Probably isn't any job he'd be able to do with his hands. Tough. I'll send him something from time to time. You know a girl named Carol Bennett? Sure, I know her. Dame with a bottle, a dame who saw Ross kill that man, the dame you fished out of the river. Who doesn't know her? You know why she died? There's always a reason. She was blackmailing the killer of a Camden shoe salesman. The man who was found beaten to death last night in an alley. You're crazy. How could she blackmail Ross? He didn't have that kind of dough. You do. So? Been putting away for rainy days. That gives you a long nose. Carol was standing at the doorway of the alley. She saw what happened. Saw that Ross didn't touch that drunk. Saw Ross walk away, the way Ross said he did. So you believe what the boy told you? Yeah, I do. The way someone fixed his hands makes me believe it. Boy gets himself a couple of broken hands. That makes him stop being a murderer, huh? Let me tell you a little bit more what Carol saw. She saw you. She saw you finish the job on the drunk that Ross didn't get to do. Blackmail. Give a good deal of my time to that boy. Even hired him a lawyer. Now, why would I go do what you said? Did I suddenly go crazy? <laughs> you're off your rocket, Clover. You were going to appear as an eyewitness to Ross's murder of that man. You told me so yourself. That way, when Ross was acquitted, he'd owe you something, fight for you again. Anybody ever call you a deep thinker, Danny? And when he wouldn't come to you. 
You found him. Wrecked him. Let's go downtown, Colbo. Don't be a fool, Colbo. Put down that jackknife. It cuts, Clover. Like this, your way. Clover. Clover. Clover, no. Don't. Don't. Drop it. Drop Don't. it. Don't. Okay, Colbo. On your feet. Let's go. In a little while, Broadway will knock itself to pieces. Funny fellas with funny hats will lean out of the hotel windows and pour water on the celebrants with the tin horns. There'll be laughter and crowd and swirl. And the fine thing, the words, Happy New Year. And Broadway means it with all its heart. It's Broadway, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway, my beat. Broadway's My Beat stars Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover, with Charles Calvert as Tartaglia and Jack Crucian as Mugovan. The program was produced and directed by Elliot Lewis, with musical score composed and conducted by Alexander Courage. In tonight's story, Clayton Post was heard as Colbo and Roy Glenn as Ross Locke. Featured in the cast were Herb Butterfield, Charlotte Lawrence, Jenny Lagon, and Jester Hairston. Tomorrow afternoon, don't miss the third annual gathering of CBS Radio's top foreign correspondents, all making their year-end reports on the state of the world. Ed Murrow is the host. Remember, it's tomorrow afternoon on most of these same radio stations. It's hard-hitting. It's factual. It's food for thought. It's years of crisis. speaking. And remember, those lovable rascals Amos and Andy are here every Sunday on the CBS Radio Network. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Johnny Dollar. Lieutenant Howard, homicide. Oh, hi, Steve. Hi. 
As you know, I've given orders for you to be confined to your suite out there at the Maples until I can get some of the lab crew out there. You don't think I murdered Warren Staley? Apparently, you were the only one who was with him when he died. Now, look here. I'm the one who's kept even the family out of here. What's more important, you're the only one in the whole estate who might be trusted to keep things intact, any possible evidence. So please, don't leave your room. Okay, diplomat, I'll sit tight. Tonight, and every weekday night, Bob Bailey and the transcribed adventures of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Expense account, or rather report, submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to the Philadelphia Mutual Liability and Casualty Company, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in connection with my investigation of the Laird Douglas Douglas of Heatherscote matter. No need to itemize expenses at this point because there are none. The magnificent suite in which I'm parked out at the sumptuous mansion of Mrs. Peter Malcolm Kelly Van Pyten is fine. Except for the body of young Warren Staley, Mrs. Van Pyten's nephew, draped over the arm of the easy chair in which he died a few minutes ago. I'd called Lieutenant Howard at Homicide on the phone in my room immediately, and within minutes, the nearest patrolman was stationed outside my door, refusing admittance even to the lady of the house. After all, this was the third murder that tied up with the Scottish terrier who started all this, Laird Douglas Douglas of Heatherscote. While waiting for Lieutenant Howard and his crew, I shaved, showered, and changed my clothes. Then, about ten minutes later... Well, Dollar? Yeah, Lieutenant. Ah. Uh. See what you mean. Yeah. And he seemed like a nice kid, too. He's all yours, Doctor. Go right ahead. Very well, Lieutenant. Here, Paul, just sit my kid over Okay, for pictures, Lieutenant. Yeah, yeah, go right ahead, Sergeant. Okay, excuse me, Doc. Hey, before you get started, man. Okay, Dollar, let's have it. What happened? Well, Warren.